When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. She is Abby Schnabel. I'm Noah Hiles, and we're joining you every... I think we're actually airing this on Friday compared to our normal date Thursday because <laughs> of some programming things, but we're joining you like we do every week to talk some college uh, sports stuff. And Abby, there is indeed college sports stuff to talk about. Normally, throughout the whole summer, we're scrambling. We're, we're picking each other's brains. We're texting throughout the week. You know, what are we going to talk about? You know, what are we going to, you know, because, but we have content now, like from here until May, really, yeah. <laughs> like there, there are going to be actual things to talk about aside from, you know, the occasional coach getting fired because, you know, he made some poor choices or, you know, a whole conference or half of an entire conference tries to leave, you know, aside from when we get those gifts that fall into our lap. We now have organic storylines that we can choose from. We have options, and it's great. I'm coming uh, to you live, uh, as we're recording this now, I should say, uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, where it is day three, the final day of the ACC kickoff, ACC Media Days. Abby uh, stayed behind in Pittsburgh because she just got done covering the TBT uh, Pitts. The Zoo Crew, uh, one and done in that tournament, but you can read her coverage at post-gazette.com. And as much as I'd love to talk about LeVance Fields and Sam Young returning to the hardwood for the Panthers, um, Abby, I think the bigger topic right now involves college football, uh, and at least where I've been. Now, I didn't go to the Big Ten media days where coaches are getting suspended <laughs> and all those things are popping up, but it's been eventful here in Charlotte as well, and Surprise, surprise, one of the big headline stealers is once again Pittsburgh's very own Pat Narduzzi. Um, Narduzzi made some comments on Wednesday during Pitt's team media availability at the podium. Uh, ironically enough, it was my question. I'm working on a story that I'm not sure if it'll be out Friday or not, uh, but it will definitely be out this weekend where there's just been a lot of dialogue about NIL because there's NIL legislation currently being looked over. There's a whole bunch of different guidelines being pr proposed at the federal level. Um, that was what commissioner Jim Phillips talked about on Tuesday in Charlotte. So I asked Pat Narduzzi, I said, if you could make one change to today's NIL landscape, what would it be? And essentially he called for a salary cap. He, he called for a lid on it. Here's the exact uh, quote. He said, we're going to have small. Uh, yeah. So I think there's got to be a lid on NIL deals. If you're going to have to leave the transfer portal open, there's going to be there. There's got to be a salary cap so people can't go overspend. So that was 
the short version of his answer. And again, we'll have more stories on that and NIL content in general from the ACC kickoff later this weekend. But Abby, just want to pick your brain. We'll start here. We're going to be talking all NIL on the show, but first things first, what are your thoughts on Coach Narduzzi's comments here? You know, I think it's an interesting um, prospect for a lot of different reasons. I think one, um, it obviously, it's a good idea in theory. Uh, There are a lot of different factors that you have to consider that I don't think Narduzzi is necessarily like thought about, which is fine. He got sprung a question in a media deal. But, you know, I think it protects mid-majors, which is a big problem with NIL and the transfer portal right now, is these mid-major schools can't really compete with these Power 5 schools. Um, So a salary cap would help that. Uh, It would also help some of these schools that are less NIL-focused, even though they have the resources and probably should be NIL-focused. By, by, you know, you're not going to have teams necessarily all these boosters that have come together to to pay a certain athlete or whatever um some of these less organized power five schools or even the mid, some of the mid major schools that just don't have the resources to be organized or the boosters just aren't organized or whatever it is um the a salary cap in theory would help with that as well because there are schools that like have boosters that are willing to drop just about anything um, but I feel like it's a little bit hard to um, just keep track of. Like, sure, could we make everyone have to release their their salary like we do professional sports? Yes, but there's some privacy concerns with that, I think, just because these are college athletes and there's so, so many unknowns still with NIL. I mean, it was only passed, what, two years ago now? Yeah, something along those lines, two, and, three. And so, like, I, I obviously see the need for, for some boundaries. I don't know what the right answer is. And I think Narduzzi may be onto something here with this idea, but I just don't know how feasible it is, especially right now where right. we're at in the process. I mean, there have been we're gonna transition eventually to, to the various bills that have been passed or that have been introduced. And and there have been three bills up until this point that can't even get past the first step of the legislative process. So I don't know. There's just so many d- competing voices and competing interests that are making it difficult to really set some, some boundaries, some rules for NIL. I see where uh, Nerdizzi is coming from. And again, a good idea in theory. However, there are a lot of different factors that that would come up that would make it difficult to practice. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's an interesting idea in theory because it's a perfect way to counteract the fear that pretty much every head coach that isn't in the SEC or the Big Ten has right now with that with that huge gap in television revenue. And I know, I know that revenue can't go toward NIL opportunities. All those have that, that money has to go toward you know the university facilities and everything. But there's other ways where when you're getting more money. It's just going to lead to other opportunities. There, ju- it just is. You can create corporate sponsorships where that, with that, with that cash, and that could lead to opportunities or whatever. And having a cap essentially evens the playing field a little bit for teams in the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, the AAC. You know all of that. But how do you, like you said, Abby, how do you monitor this? What what goes into it? Is this just a cap for what the team's number one collective can pay? Or are we going to include brand deals like what Livy Dunn has or, or uh, you know, you point out 
a college athlete where, I mean, they're sure they're making some from their collectives, but if they have a big following on social media, they're probably making just as much money through, you know, their, their independent ad deals. Does that go into this? Cause that's not how it works in pro sports where, you know, the Steelers can pay Kenny Pickett, whatever they're paying him. But if he wants to, you know, sign a deal with Nike or, you know, a car dealership or whatever, that's on his own dime. So that's the whole purpose of NIL really is that type of stuff. So are, are we going to include that in it? Because that's what's just going to happen. It's okay. Well, we can't give them money directly through a collective. Whoever owns a business, you are now endorsing this business. And that's just where it's going to go. And also, are we including incentives? Are, if, if you give a player a car instead of 40 grand, does that go against your cap? You know, things of that nature. It, it's just really hard to monitor when they're not employees and that's where i think the salary cap would make sense if you want to make these guys actual employees and you have contracts with collectives then this this is so much easier then you can all be made public then you know there there's no false promises there's so many other ways to go about it but if you're their employees they're not quote unquote, student athletes anymore. They're no longer amateurs. And this really just turns into the minor league system for the (laughs) National Football League, which let's be real, it's been that for 70 years. But I just think, you you know, you look at it, if if we are going to end up, and I think this is probably the way it's going to end up where these guys are school employees, especially with this media revenue, they're just going to end up making so much money where it's like, Look, we we can't build any new more, or we can't build any more facilities. You know, yeah. we can't, we can't, we've got to just use this money elsewhere. But there's only going to be certain programs that can actually do that. You know, is is Colorado State going to be able to? You know, like how is that going to go? It's it's really it'd really be beneficial to keep the Big Ten and the SEC in check while the others kind of go about uh, their business how they're currently going about it, but it just seems like in order for this salary cap to happen, a lot of other things have to happen. And it, it would be something that takes way, way, way more time. Yeah. Uh, so, but like, like Abby hinted, there has been, you know, federal legislation at least being proposed at this point. I don't think we're going to get much further past that anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, but Abby took a little bit of a deep dive into that. But what, what are you seeing from some of these what is it? Bills? What, what? I don't even know. I Yeah. I yeah, mean, okay. it's, it's their bills trying to be passed through Congress. Um, the, the big one that came out this week uh, is, is the PASS Act. Um, uh, there's some aspects of it that I like. There are some aspects of it that I think are interesting, and, you know, and something that are trying is trying to protect the college sports landscape. Um, so I'll just run through a couple of the things. Uh, the, the one of the more interesting ones to me is this bill would make it illegal or not illegal per se, but I don't know the correct terms because I'm not a lawyer. Um, they they would require a sit out year again for players in the transfer portal if they haven't used three years of eligibility. That's an interesting concept. I understand because a lot of coaches are concerned about the constant turnover that we are seeing in today's day and age, but at the same time. A lot of these kids are transferring like after one year because they're uh, they've gone through a year of their system and now you're gonna kind of sit and in a way force them to be there for three years. Interesting to me. And then it just kept saying regulate how college athletes are allowed to make money. 
wasn't a lot of details on that. What does that mean? Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I was like. I kept like scrolling through different things and I was like, well, okay, but how? How? What does that mean? What does that mean? And so the, the and what I read is that some of these people, some of these uh, representatives that are on this bill are disagreeing about how they think the money should be regulated in the first place. So that doesn't help when you're introducing a bill. Um, it, it's a, it would become a national law that would make it illegal for states to receive a direct or uh, illegal for states to try and pass a bill to allow athletes to receive a direct share of the revenue. So it would be blanket statement. No one can receive uh, direct share of the revenue and done. Uh, a state couldn't come back and try it, which I think is the case for California right now. California is trying to pass to yeah. allow those athletes to get the direct um, share of that revenue. One thing that is interesting to me is they want to make a certif or a certification process for agents with or for NIL agents, which is interesting. But again, what are we certifying them on? What are we? What are the the ground rules that they're going to set? It's just hard with something that has really no precedent right. to really make something. But the one aspect of this bill that I really did like, and I think it is important to protect these student athletes, is that it's that it wants schools to provide health care for sports related injuries eight years after yeah. their eligibility have, is exhausted. That's amazing because that some of some of these athletes like may sprain their ankle while they're in college. And, and if you know anything about ankle sprains, those things happen after you do it once. It's, it's happening all the time then. And so for, for these athletes to have a little bit of a cushion while they're, you know, navigating professional deals or entering into the, the, the real world or whatever it may be, to have that safety blanket is really, really nice. And then the other thing is um, schools that generate twenty million or under out of uh, revenue would have to do out of pocket medical costs for two years, and schools who do fifty or uh, twenty to fifty, and I think more because it didn't say, mm -hmm. um, would have to do it for four years. Which I love that. I love the healthcare aspect of it, but the other stuff is just so. I don't know. We're just in a gray area with NIL and college sports right now because. No, like we said, there's no precedent. No one knows what this means. No one know what that knows what that means. What should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing? And no one knows because there's so many competing interests. Is it really to protect the integrity of college sports, or is it to protect these uh, non-Big Ten and SEC schools from getting, you know, millions of dollars to their players? And and or sorry, the SEC and Big Ten schools forgiving millions of dollars yeah. to their to their players and those other schools kind of getting left out of everything. I don't know. It's a it's a convoluted issue that we've been seeing for for two years. We'll continue to see it until something is figured out. Um, and it's just kind of convoluted is the best way to say it. Right. And I and I think it all comes back to the collectives where you know the, there there are collectives out there that. The, the the entire idea of name, image, and likeness, like you and I can profit off of our yeah. name, image, and likeness. If someone were to say, hey, Noah, you have a big following on Twitter. Can you, if you wear this shirt and a picture you post on Twitter, I will give you five shirts from my company. Mm -hmm. That is that is profiting off my name, image, and likeness. So that was the whole idea behind NIL is that you're able to start your own YouTube channel, advertise things on your social media, sign autographs. 
And what it's kind of turned into is here is $500,000. If you show up to two charity events, this is your money. And granted, that that is technically name, image, and likeness because you're pay, being paid essentially like a celebrity fee, an appearance fee. Um, but I don't think that that's what people had in mind when this this – and if you're going to do that, then again, you might as well just make them employees yep. uh, where – I feel like that's probably safer with taxes and <laughs> it's just cleaner, but that's going to take a lot more work. So I think the way that it's done now, where it's just kind of the wild, wild west, it's going to be that way for a little bit. Commissioner Phillips also spoke on this. I want to point out his four primary issues with it. He highlighted, he said, um, he said it's, it's essentially he wants to combat uh, pay for play which yep. like I said, is essentially what happens with a lot of collectives mm-hmm. in, in today's world. Um, NIL involvement in recruiting, which that yeah. is the most egregious one. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. NIL invo- or illegit- illegitimate NIL opportunities, which can, I think can go hand in hand with the recruiting aspect and illegitimate representation for athletes. And honestly, I think all four of these, or three of the four, are legitimate things yeah. that protect athletes. The pay for play thing, let's just call it what it is. These guys make this a lot of money for the school, and it's not because they're showing up to algebra algebra class. It's just no. not. Like, <laughs> they they can be serious students, and I, I I hope that most of them are. But the reality is, their value isn't for what they're doing in the classroom or even through community service. It's because they generate a lot of revenue for their universities mm-hmm. because they are entertaining to watch play a game. And that's what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Professionals do it and they make a living that will last their family for generations. Um, but the other three things, the, 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 the use of NIL for recruiting, I think needs to be a little bit more monitored in the sense where, because this is all, under the table, behind closed doors, behind the curtain, you get into the third thing where you run the risk of illegitimate promises. Mm-hmm. There, you, you could talk about that kid who was recruited to Florida. What did they offer him? Over, I think it was like eight figures worth yeah. of deals or something along those lines. As a freshman, and if you're senior in high school, if your family has you know no big experience with that type of financial, you know, contracts or opportunities, you're going to fall into a trap. And next thing you know, you're signing up for something that's, that's not a real agreement. And that happens. That also happens for transfers. You know, you'll, you'll be told by someone after a game or in an Instagram DM that, Hey, if you transfer here, we got this for you. Well, then you uproot your entire life. You transfer over there and that money ain't there. And what do you got? Mm -hmm. You're stuck on a whole new team over something that you thought was going to probably better your life, better your family. And it's not there. Those things need to be eliminated as does illegitimate representation. Because now in today's world, and you're seeing it now at the high school level as well, because states like Pennsylvania have legalized NIL. And for high school, you've got kids who are just, being led astray by these people who claim to be agents. They don't have law degrees. They've never negotiated a contract. It's just people who are jumping in on this wave. They're no different than than Bitcoin miners in a sense, <laughs> where they recognize the new financial trend 
and they're taking advantage of it. And I'm not saying every college or even high school agent, even though that sounds bad to say, I'm not even saying that those, all of them are bad. There are some people who do it the right way and who are very, uh, you know, do a great job of explaining how this is going to work and, 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 and handle it and create legitimate opportunities that will give a better life to the athlete and possibly the athlete's family. That's all great. I'm saying that because there are no real guidelines here, it gives an opportunity for someone like you or me who has no agent experience to just start pretending that I'm one and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, wheeling and dealing deals. And next thing you know, they are going to misstep and it will result in that kid losing eligibility or going into a team or a program where they don't fit well and it's going to ruin their career. So those are some things that do need to be modified. I think that, yes, we need to keep an eye on how kids are transferring just because we see the success stories of players like a, like a Jared verse from Florida state went from Albany to Florida state where he's an all American now, and he'll be a top 10 pick NIL mm-hmm. opportunities change that guy's life. And that's good. But there are also things where you could, I'm sure there are a million stories out there where it doesn't work out and you got someone in a horrible situation. And actually there's going to be a story written about this in the post Gazette this weekend where people have heard examples of these things and, that's where you need to do this out of protection for the athletes. This shouldn't be about competition at all. It's not about leveling a playing field. And I get it. That's what coaches are hired to do. They're hired to win. But guess what? You wouldn't be complaining about, you know, you would be pretty pissed if they had a salary cap on coach salaries or all these things. You know, every school has a budget, but if, if someone wants to spend more money on a head coach or in a staff or whatever, that's fine. That's no big deal. But is this about winning? Is this about greed? Or is this about protecting these yep. athletes? And that's where the legislation needs to focus. In my opinion, it needs to be something where you're getting these kids into safe, legitimate opportunities, and you're making sure that they're going into the proper situations. And how do you monitor that? I have no idea. I think <laughs> it starts with, like I said, probably a closer attention to all these collectives, a closer attention, I think, to all their representatives, you know, there needs to be some sort of standard where if you don't have this type of degree or this type of certification, you cannot negotiate these deals. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. And it should also be on the universities to help these recruits, these athletes find proper representation. Mm-hmm. So those would be my personal focuses. I really appreciated those things being pointed out by Commissioner Phillips. Like I said, the pay for play. That's just going to happen. That's been happening in college sports for 100 years. But the other three things, those are legitimate concerns. I mean, like, listen, college sports were created uh, for a lot of different reasons. And one of those reasons was for these college athletes to have this opportunity to continue to play their sport, potentially potentially go into the, um, you know, professional world. And, and it was supposed to be and should be surrounded about them and their safety and their their profit or whatever it may be it should be around these student athletes not employees these student athletes and and what they're doing with their experience and i feel like with with nil the the um the goal the 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 thought process was to for that 
for these athletes to benefit and make money off of themselves. And I think we've gotten a little away from that. And right. their safety isn't being as concerned. And it's just about, like you said, competition, leveling the playing field, winning, when it should be about these athletes' experiences. Like, let's be real. These, these kids, because, yes, they're 18 to 22, plus or minus a few years, um, more plus than minus in, in today's day and age. But, you know, um, and and they've they've never had to navigate something like this. They no. signed on because they, they wanted to keep playing their sport. And now you're throwing in a lot with very little resources out in today's day and age. And I think, as Commissioner Phillips and as you have pointed out, it is it's important to to revisit that to go back to this should be about the athletes. This should not necessarily be about leveling the playing field anymore i mean sure you, that's the goal because you get more money based on what you win but it should be about the athletes and protecting them and and i think that's one of the reasons i really like the healthcare aspect of some of these bills yes um and you know the the agents needing to get certified or whatever it may be because it's it's again the the focus should be on protecting these athletes yes. not anything else and with safe athletes with athletes in the best possible situation mm-hmm you're going to be a better team, I would have to assume. So that's just how I see it. Um, again, we'll have more NIL-related stuff to read this weekend at post-gazette.com. You can check out all of Avery's coverage from the TVT. You can check out all my coverage from down in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, there's a football team in Pittsburgh who just moved into Latrobe. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff on that, too. Pitt starts camp next, next week. It's, it's about to be the busy season here, Abby. You have any final thoughts before we wrap up today's show? We've talked about it so many times, but I'm very excited for camp and I'm very excited for it to get started. As am I, as am I. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and keep tuning in to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network for all of your Pittsburgh sports content. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.